Welcome to the Black Girl Business Bar podcast. I'm your host, Khalida Dubose. This podcast is all about helping you, as a woman of color, increase your sales, overcome your mindset blocks, and giving you the practical information that you need to thrive in your business and your life. As promised, friends, today we are re-releasing one of our favorite episodes, which is our interview with guest Shandel Varciana, CEO of Varsi Media. We originally aired this episode at the end of August. Here, Shondell shares so many insights into content creation, finding your audience, speaking to and creating content for different audiences, and so much more. If you've heard this episode before, I think you'll definitely agree that it's worth another listen to take in and absorb some of the gems that she's dropping. And if this is your first time, then you are in for a real treat. Today, we're digging into the world of content creation with our special guest, Shondell Varciana, who's teaching us all the things we need to know in order to be successful in content marketing for our businesses. Shondell is the founder and CEO of Varsi Media, a content writing company that helps financial institutions save time by writing content that speaks to their target customers. Shondell and her team provide an array of managed services to their clients ranging from idea generation and keyword selection to creating the right headlines, writing engaging blog posts, formatting, editing, and so much more. Shondell, welcome to the Black Girl Business Bar. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Awesome, awesome. So I'm super excited to have this conversation because I think that, number one, we get to talk about content creation, which is always on our minds. But then number two, because you're in such a niche like specialty, I think it's going to really drive home the point that no matter what where what your niche is, you can always create really great content and find your customers and really serve well. Absolutely. With that said, let's hop right into it. I want you to introduce yourself. I kept your bio a little bit short so that we could give you the spotlight. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you. So my name is Shandell, and um, I'm originally from Toronto, Canada, born and raised there and started working in the financial industry at 18 and um, just kind of worked my way up in the bank and then moved to work for a company called Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. They're the same thing as PMI here in the in the U.S. And uh, while I was working there, I had paid off a couple of mortgages. And I also started my business when I was working there as well. But when I paid, I paid off two mortgages, a property that I was living in and um, a rental property that I had had at the time. And my girlfriend suggested that I teach people how to do the same thing, pay off their mortgages quickly, buy rental property and things like that. So I started a blog, which I didn't even know what that was. This was back in 2000. And I paid off the mortgages 2011. Yeah. Yeah. The end of 2011. Nice. And um so I started blogging shortly after that. She taught me how to blog and my blog started to grow. And that led to a lot of opportunities. At that point, magazines were contacting me and radio stations wanted to hear my story. So that gave me a lot of exposure. And then I started working with a lady by the name of Gail Vaz Oxlade. At the time, she had three television shows. So she's the Susie Orman, but of Canada. And at the time, she had three television shows going on and I was working with her. And that exposed me even more. And then I started getting people wanting to wanting me to write for them. Oh, nice. So really that's just what I started doing. And I couldn't handle a lot of the clients that were coming in because I still had my full-time job. My husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, husband now, suggested that I hire some writers. So I thought, that's a great idea. And uh, so that's what I did. I just started hiring writers. And then we brought the business to Atlanta, Georgia in 2014. And uh, here we are today. That's amazing. So you didn't even have this idea of, okay, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to kind of go agency. You just were like, 
okay, how can I manage this? I still have a nine to five and I'm getting requests. So how can I handle this? And you went straight into hiring people. Yes. So that's amazing. Yeah, it kind of evolved. Well, what happened was this all happened the end of 2011, beginning of 2012. And I got married August 2012. And I remember on our honeymoon, I brought the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. Mm-hmm. That's what really got me to hire right away because that, that book is so good when it comes to outsourcing and managing a team and things like that. And so it was the timing that I read that book was really when I was just starting the business in Canada. And uh, yeah, I read that book and it, it just talked about the importance of creating a team and creating systems. So I started doing that really, really early on. And that really, really helped because, and, and I'm a big proponent of that. Even when I left my corporate job, I, I did that at scale simply because I knew that I didn't want to wear many hats. I never wanted to be a solopreneur either. So I knew I would have to build out the team and just focus on what I'm good at. I don't really think I'm a good writer at all. That's why I hire better writers. So even though I own a writing business, I don't think I'm the best writer. I'm better at I'm better at the marketing. I'm better at the talking to the clients. And then we have writers and editors who that that's their expertise. So it was really just understanding and knowing what I was good at and sticking with that and then hiring the rest out. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. Cause I think that in this, like the current climate, it's like, okay, I want to do something new. I want to start a side hustle because I still have my nine to five. So what typically happens is everybody like does all the things on their own, even though like we all know that everything's not our forte, but it's, I'm just going to do it for a while. And then until I make money and I, I can hire, but you went kind of the straight route to like, you know what? I know what I'm good at. I'm going to hire people who are better than me. I'm sure obviously you have a working knowledge of like writing and everything, but I'm going to hire people who are like really awesome at this and we're going to go that route. So immediately out of the gate, you've got your support. I mean, I I consider everybody who supports the business and moves it forward like a support team. So (laughs) it sounds like that was your path. I did. And I don't want people to think that I had a lot of capital because I didn't. I just structured my business so that I only paid, I, I hired contractors at the time. So I structured my business so that I only pay the contractors when I get clients. So if no client, no contractor. And I have other businesses as well. So I always knew I wanted to venture out into different things. And if I did everything myself, I wouldn't be able to do that. And now my life has evolved. I've got two kids and live in a different country. So it's, so I knew that from the beginning. So it really just depends on what it is you want. And then, yeah, just, just, make a plan based on based on what it is you want out of your business. That's amazing. I think I read the four hour work week, the book that you referenced. Wow, probably right around the same time you read it. But I was I had no aspirations of being an entrepreneur at that time. I was just kind of working. And I'm like, so what's this thing about working for four hours? And it's so funny, like, when I read that book, I was like, this dude's crazy. Like, who can work for four hours, toss a book behind me? <laughs> you know, now I'm like, I might want to pick that book up again. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Check it out. It, it really, and I guess it was the timing because it's, my husband has always been telling me this. So it's funny because I remember when we were dating, our dates were like strategy sessions. They were like coaching sessions. Him coaching me how to start I love a business. it. <laughs> and getting my mind right. Because I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs or business owners. He right. does. So when we met, it was just like, many aha moments because it, our, our our dates were literally him coaching me and getting my mind right. Because I always, even when I started my business, I still had the employee mindset. And then I kept reading books on how to scale and if you want to scale and burnout and all that kind of stuff. That's really what helped me to kind of shift my mind. 
Yeah, I think the beautiful part about your story is that you just already have this idea that like, you know, what, I don't have to do it all myself. I kind of know what I want. I know the difference between solopreneur and potentially going agency one day. And also I'm going to have other things going on in my life, like motherhood and moving mm -hmm. and like maybe all the things you don't know, but we just always anticipate life is going to throw some things at us. So just really trying to structure around that. That's something that I'm definitely picking up on and learning and starting to really think hard about for my business. So <laughs> yeah, it's really, and my whole life is structured like that. I don't do anything myself, even in my personal life. I hire people to do things. I really believe in a team and it's just so much power, so much more powerful. And life is so much more fun when you do it with other people versus yourself. Like it's just better. It really is. Cause I, like I said, I grew up with the mindset of doing everything yourself. So now that I, you know, my mindset has shifted, there, there's a, a peace and a happiness that comes with that when you're working with other people to attain whatever goal it is. It, it's just, it's, it's a much more fulfilling life for me anyways, when I'm able to work with other people to make dreams come true. And not only my dreams, their dreams. Right. 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 So you were working in the banking industry and you kind of worked your way up. At what point did you say, okay, I'm done with the nine to five? What was that point? At what point was that happening? So there were many things happening at the time. So my business was taking off. And at that point, it was making more money than my nine to five was paying me. But so we were trying to do a few things at that moment. We were trying to get pregnant and we were not getting pregnant. And we were also trying to move to Atlanta from Toronto, Canada. So there were many things happening at this time. So anyways, trying to get pregnant for, we were trying to get pregnant for 18 months up to this point, no luck. And at the, on the 18th month, we had an interview with the U.S. consulate. It's just a whole bunch of legalities to move to another country. Mm -hmm. So we had an interview with the U.S. consulate to find out if we can actually move to the U.S. legally. We found out we were able to move here. And on the drive home, we, I, I realized I had missed my, my cycle. So we stopped at Walmart and got a pregnancy test and found out we were pregnant the same day we were going to move. We, the same day we found out we were going to move to Atlanta, we found out we were pregnant That's on the so exact beautiful. same day. <laughs> the All the good news. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was the really, that was the deciding factor that I was going to quit my job because we were going to be moving to Atlanta. And so I had just quit at that point and then brought the business. And then we had my daughter, Soraya, here in Atlanta. But it wasn't until those, those things didn't start to come in my mind if I was going to quit until my, my business was paying me more than my full-time job. It wouldn't have been a consideration until then, simply because I just think it's better to have a, your income, your, your, so, so your expenses and all of that is not affected. If your side hustle is making at least the same amount of money as your full-time job, um, because then once you go in with both feet, then, you know, you can really, really scale. Cause you just have more time on your hands to focus solely on your business. So that would be the, that was really the deciding factor was that we were making more money. Even if we didn't get to move to Atlanta, I would have still quit my job. Nice. Okay. So then you, you already have writers writing for you. How did you figure out, like, I'm going to write for a specific group of people now? I know you were already in banking. So was it just kind of natural to say, you know, let me pick this group of people? Or did you have to, like, kind of find your way into that? I, I had to find my way into that. When we first started, we were not writing for financial institutions. We were writing for anybody. So it was, it was in writing for everybody that became extremely difficult because I had to find writers that were familiar with different niches. So mm -hmm. we did that. And then we started writing for digital marketing agencies, which was a challenge as well, because a lot of the digital marketing agencies or SEO agencies, they write for a range 
of customers. So it still became difficult because I had to find writers who were versed in in many different industries, which was very difficult to find really, really good writers that can talk about different things. I just had to find so many writers. So that became difficult. And then at the time, I read a lot. So at the time, I was also reading about the, the riches being in the niches. There's not a book necessarily called that, but I was just reading a lot of books that were talking about being niche specific and then just really getting to know that niche and just focusing on them. And financial institutions kind of came because I'm just so familiar with credit unions, banks, and mortgage companies. And I, I was all, I'm also licensed to do loans in Toronto, Ontario, as well as Georgia. So it just made sense to focus on that and then hire financial writers. And a lot of our writers, they worked in banks, they worked in credit unions. So that just made it a lot easier. And now we're, we're getting known for being a writer or being a writing company for financial institutions. So it makes it a lot easier because now when they think of us, they think of, okay, they work with financial institutions and it makes it easy for us because we just have to hire financial writers. We don't have to look for writers that specializes in a bunch of different industries. We can just focus on the niche, the specific topics that I know our clients are going to want. So it makes it easier for us to hire and it makes it easy for our writers to really get to know the institutions better because that's all they're focused on. So it makes it a lot easier. And there's more money when you are niche specific because then you can charge expert rates versus being, you know, um, what is that saying? A master of... Yeah, the jack of all trades is a master, yes. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yes. So, um, and we that that's what we were. We were a jack of all trades, and when now that we're more niche specific, we can actually charge more money now because we're just niche specific. And there's not many companies like us that just focus on financial institutions. Yeah, that's genius. I was thinking when I saw your profile on LinkedIn, I was like, you worked in financial institutions, but I find that. For all of us, when we're starting out, we just kind of think like, I have to be all the things to everybody. I need to make sure I can take all these people. And I mean, why do you think in your opinion, why is it so scary to like niche down? It is. And it was very scary for me. This came from years of not niching down before we started. It, it's, I think it's, it's a mindset. Like everything is a mindset. It really is because I thought the same thing. If we write for a variety of companies, then we can make more money. It's better. But then when we started doing that, I realized we weren't able to serve the customers to the best of our ability because the, the, we just had to think about too many different things. Like one day we're writing for a spa, the next day we're writing for a doctor, the next day we're maybe writing for a lawyer. Like it was just all over the place. And it was difficult because then our editors are also not familiar with all these different industries. So it really just made, I just had to completely change the business model because it just wasn't working. And we were making you know great money, but it just wasn't, it's not just about the money. It's about how we serve our customers. And you can always make money when you're serving well. Yeah. That, that's the key right there. When you're like, okay, this actually works. I see it working for people. It doesn't yes. have to be this scary. Hi, friends. Just taking a quick break here to say thank you for being a listener of the Black Girl Business Bar podcast and a member of this growing community. I launched this podcast because I wanted women of color just like you to know that they have a place to go where community is priority and a resource for practical tips, advice, and mentorship. Outside of this podcast, one of the most powerful ways I help women just like you is through one-to-one -one coaching and mentorship. My program, Savvy Sales for Solopreneurs, is designed to take you from making inconsistent sales or no sales at all to crushing sales and getting fully booked in your business. 
This coaching experience will be personal, empowering, and takes a holistic view of the challenges you as a woman of color face in the online space. I believe having strong sales foundations and sustainable momentum are two key factors in having a successful business in the online space. And I found for myself and my clients, the fastest way to get there is through one-to-one coaching and mentorship. So if you want to start building your bank account by signing clients regularly, get in touch with me at Khalida at blackgirlbusinessbar.com or visit my website at khalidadubose.com forward slash coaching. The links will be in the show notes. All right, let's get back to the show. Did you feel like you like you made a little bit less money initially and then like it picked up or did you just get like yeah. super focused and it was like, boom? No, no, that's exactly what happened. Because, <laughs> well, you're 100% right. This is exactly what happened. It slowed down because I, I had to say no to, because we were getting known in the digital marketing agency because we had a bunch of clients. So I had to start saying no to them and, and, and focus on the, the financial institutions, but it's amazing. And you know, my mentor said this to me, he said, it's amazing when you, when you allow more space for what you want to actually come in, because shortly after I decided to niche, we got a call for, I can't mention the company cause we signed, you know, NDAs with a lot of the large ones that we work with, but we got a call from like a huge company and we ended up getting them. And it was just amazing because I thought, wow, like if, if, if we didn't say no to the work we were doing before, it wouldn't have opened the room for, you know, the bigger clients to come in. Right. And, and, you know, it's just, it's really just making that decision because we're so bogged down with, you know, the other stuff that we were doing that we really weren't targeting who we should target solely. Right. And the moment we did that, it really started to pick up momentum, but there was a time where it was, it did slow down because we had to start saying no to the, cause we, you know, when you start marketing, you know, you, you build a, you know, a pipeline. So even though somebody may not want your services now, they may call back a year from now, they may call back six months from now. So that's what was happening because we had been marketing to digital marketing agencies for so long. So we were still getting calls and stuff like that. And to say no to that, it was difficult at first. But if I realized that if I didn't say no to that, then we wouldn't have been able to focus on the financial institutions, which is really where we wanted to go. Right. And it sounds like just because you're niching does not mean that you don't have an array of topics and sub niches that you can go into. So talk to us a little bit about if you're in an industry or if you, I don't know, serve a certain type of people, like, can you have more than one niche and be successful in your strategy? I don't even know if niche is the right word for it. Maybe it's like a sub niche or subtopics. You tell yeah, us. <laughs> different audiences. Yeah, of, of course, definitely. Like for our clients, for example, they've got multiple audiences because we work with banks and we work with credit unions. You know, they've got first time home buyers. They've got repeat buyers. They've got people who even in the home buying sector, there's different niches in there. It's not like everybody is not in the same audience who wants to buy a home. You've got first time home buyers. You've got people who are buying a second home. You've got people who are buying investment properties. You've got people who, you know, they're buying cottages. Like you've got people who are buying mobile, like you've got so many different audiences within the home buying topic. And you can't speak to all of those audiences in one piece of content because you'll lose them, right? A first time home buyer has different questions than somebody who's wanting to buy a rental property. So you have to write different content for each of those audiences. So yes, you can you can target multiple audiences, but you should target them in different pieces of content, not in one piece of content. So if you're doing one video, if you're doing one social media post, it should be for one audience. So you can write, you can, you can post multiple things, but post like three different topics for three different audiences. 
Right. So permission granted for everybody out there who's listening and who's like, you know, so for instance, like I'm a business coach and where I really have started to try to niche is like the zero to three years in for service-based businesses, because I was like myself feeling stressed out, trying to like talk to somebody who's been doing this for seven, seven years, and maybe they're having a completely different set of issues or needs, I might still be able to work with them. But I was like, let me let them come to me and let me market to this specific group of people. So permission to anybody out there who knows that they might have like different audiences that they speak to. You don't have to speak to them all in one post. I think I've I've finally figured that out. I'm like, no, that's not appropriate. You should be talking to one person. It's almost like, you know, not having a proper attention span, right? Exactly. And you'll lose the audience. You'll lose them in the headline. You'll lose them in the first sentence. Because if if something doesn't appeal to someone in the first sentence, they're gone. So, uh, and that's the reason why it's difficult to talk to multiple people in one post. Right, right. Okay. So talk to us about, there was one point where you were new and you're like, okay, how do I find my audience? So even though you know I want to be in this niche, where do I go to start to gather that audience? So you have to find out where they congregate, where they hang out. So my audience is on LinkedIn. So that's the social media um, platform that I'm on most. I'm on there every day, simply because that's my target audience is there. They're not on Instagram. They're not really on Facebook. They're not even, they're on Clubhouse as well, but they're not so much on, you know, and they're on Twitter, but most of them are on LinkedIn and they're active and engaging on LinkedIn. And I just know that just because of just research, but Facebook groups. So you really got to know where your audience is. So I would just, it really depends on who you're targeting. Facebook groups are really, really good for finding different audiences. Well, if your audience is on Facebook, I would definitely join Facebook groups where your audience congregates and just be a fly on the wall. Forums are also a great place as well, but it's hard to give you an exact answer without knowing exactly, you know, what everybody's, who everybody's audience is, but you will have to find out where they hang out the most. And I would just go there, just go there and be a fly on the wall and listen. And the reason why I'm big on Facebook groups is because it's really easy to join one of these groups mm-hmm. and just pay attention to what the posts are about. Take 10 minutes per day and just go in there and uh, listen to what your audience is talking about. And if you can add value, if people are answer- asking questions, answer some of those questions. The goal is to find out what they're talking about and then create content around what your ideal customer is talking about. And Facebook groups are huge for that. But wherever they're hanging out is where you should go. Yeah, I agree. It's like sometimes I'll see people ask specific questions where I'll know like, oh, I have an answer to that. And so, yes, I'll give them an answer. And I like to also see how they respond to it. If they have a follow-up question for me after that, and see if I can answer that follow-up question, but then kind of bank that question, if you will, into like, yeah, my nerdy spreadsheet (laughs) to be like, this is a potential way that I can create. This is something that I can create content around later on, or maybe it'd be a bigger, like part of a bigger content theme. Yeah, absolutely. What I do is I have Sales Navigator on LinkedIn. We have a whole marketing plan around LinkedIn, but really in a nutshell, we save our target audience. And then every time they comment, every time they post, I'll go, not every time, but I'll spend like 20 minutes per day and I'll comment and like their post 
that gets them to see me as well. And then I pay attention to what people are posting. We're really heavy in our in our industry now. So some of the things that we post is tailored to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really just getting to know your audience really, really well and creating content around what it is they're talking about consistently because people's needs change. So you always want to be in front of them and paying attention to what it is they're talking about. And the point I wanted to make before was while you're commenting on their posts or in the Facebook groups, answering their questions, you always want to make sure your Facebook page is decked out. So what I mean by that is just has your contact information, exactly what you do if your audience is on Facebook so that when they're ready, they'll message you and they know exactly what you do and maybe like your page as well so that they can start to see your post. Nice, nice. That's a really good tip. That's a really good tip. I better go check my Facebook. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> go check my Facebook page. Make sure it's decked out. That's yeah, the word you use. <laughs> if your audience is up, like my, my Facebook page is not. I think I have like maybe 3,400 friends or something like that. But my audience is not on Facebook, so LinkedIn. My LinkedIn page is definitely decked out. So. It's got, you know, everything, everything my potential client would want to know. And oftentimes by the time they reach out to us, it's a yes, because they, they've already checked me out. They've already checked our website out. We, I put pretty much everything on LinkedIn, our prices, everything's on LinkedIn. So there's no surprises. It ends up being a warm lead by the time we either contact them or they contact us. And most of our customers we get on LinkedIn. Yeah, that's such a good point. I try to tell people like when I'm coaching them or even when I'm just providing content, like people, I've had so many people say to me, like, why do I have to create content? This is so, this is so stupid. Nobody reads this. I I literally was like going back and forth with one, one client. She's like, nobody reads this stuff. Like I'm telling you, I skip past all of it. And I told her you skip past it because none of that, whoever you're following, whatever they're putting out, you're not interested. You're not their target market, their target customer, I should say. Exactly. Exactly. Our largest client contacted me through LinkedIn and he has never liked our post, never engaged ever. I would have never known, but he kept seeing the posts. He, he, when he called me, he was like, well, he sent me a message and he was like, I absolutely love your post. And then we put motivational stuff in there as well. So, I mean, And I would have never known that, but it's because of the consistency of the posting that makes people, the majority of the people that reach out to to me on LinkedIn have never commented on any of my posts or like them, uh, but they see it, right? And that's the thing, you don't know who is seeing you. But the the great thing about content is people can figure out right there if they like you, because if they don't, then they won't bother. So that's the reason for the content as well. Definitely to the, for the no like, and trust, but always keep in mind that if you're not serious about your business, why would someone take you serious? So remember that. So that is part of showing up consistently because the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So you, you always have to remember that. And people are watching just because nobody likes or comments doesn't mean they don't see. And it doesn't mean they're not learning and being educated from your content. Oh my God. I love, <laughs> I love that. But you know why? It's because sometimes you can start to feel like you're just like on the soapbox and you're yes. like, be consistent, be consistent, be consistent. Yes. Why? Because we all make decisions based on if somebody's consistent. I obviously work with a lot of women of color. And one of the biggest complaints that I hear from them when I'm on a call, seeing if we're a good fit to work together, or if we're working together is that they can't trust other women of color to do what they're supposed to do. Or what if she, there's a lot of trust issues, I should say, you know, just to kind of put it. And I know that part of those trust issues come from people not being consistent. So they're not consistent on their social media and then they're not consistent in their business and then they're not consistent with their clients. 
And so I'm like, yeah, you see that thing that you hate? Let's make sure we're not that. <laughs> Let's make sure you're not that, you know? So your point is very well taken. <laughs> yeah. And, do, and don't have that limited belief or mindset. You know, if something doesn't work, like if, if, if you're working with somebody and it doesn't work out, just, just work with somebody else. Right. Like it's, it's very simple. Make things simple for yourself and don't, you don't have to overanalyze or overthink. Business is, is it's really an emotional roller coaster at times. And you've got to have that mental stamina to, to, to withstand. To, that, this is why the majority of businesses fail within the first few years, because it, the mental stamina that it takes to keep going is, is really what it's all about. It's, it's that mental toughness to say, I'm going to get up today, even if I don't feel like it, and I'm going to post, uh, period. No excuses, just results. That's it. Like It's just getting your mind where, and surround yourself with like-minded people and people who are where you want to be. That is probably the best advice I can give is you've got to be around people daily who are where you want to be and like-minded people because the people you surround yourself with is huge. Your environment is always stronger than you. Always remember that. So you always want to create an environment based on where it is you want to go, period. Because that will help to get through those tough times. That will help you to stay motivated, stay encouraged, because it does get tough. But when you've got people who've already been there, done that, you know, it makes it a lot easier because then they can help pray you through that. They can help pull you up. But And I've got a lot of those people around me. I wouldn't still be here. I stand on the shoulders of many amazing women and amazing people. But that that's just what it takes because it's not, you know, it's not easy at all, <laughs> but it's worth it. I love that. I love that so much. She's like, so that's the, every show I'm like, mentor us. That's the mentorship for this show. It's like, it's so true. Surround yourself with the people that are doing what you want to do and who are positive. I 100% agree with you. If somebody doesn't work out. So typically what I do is if, if there's a bad interaction in business, I just kind of chalk it up to, okay, I'm glad I had that interaction. Let me make sure I don't do that to somebody else. Yes. It's just a learning point. That's it. Yes. You know? and, and what did, and the other learning point too is what, what do I learn from that? Because there's always, we, we can't just kind of say it's their fault. You know, we may not want to do that again, but yeah, what did definitely. I do that? And what can I learn from that? Right. So I can improve myself because we can only control ourselves. And I know it's much easier to put the blame on other people, but we right. always have to ask ourselves, what could we have done differently so that maybe it did work out? Because sometimes relationships don't work out because of us. Mm -hmm. Often it doesn't work out because of us. What did we do? What could we have done differently or better? Because that's the work, in my opinion. Anytime anything doesn't work out, what, what's the learn? What do I have to learn from that so it doesn't get repeated? And more importantly, so that we grow as people. Right. Yes. Thank you so much for saying that too. And that's just such a great reminder because a lot of the messaging we hear in the online space is like, you know, the whole find your tribe, which I totally subscribe to, but Sometimes that can go, that can get a little pathological <laughs> and it'd be like, whoever doesn't work with you, like if they have any problem with you, like just push them to the side. And it's like, no, 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 no. We kind of need that feedback <laughs> so that we can continue yes. to grow and do things well so that our tribe, you know, maybe we can expand our circle and our tribe can get a little bit bigger. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's a, that's exactly it. And, you know, I'm a huge follower of Grant Cardone. He's, he's a real estate guru. And um, I remember one time he was talking about when you get a no, oftentimes you're just not doing a good job at selling. Like he always puts the onus on himself. And I love that because that's how you grow. Like if we just say, oh, you know, 
people are this, people are that, then we don't grow. We don't do the inner, we don't do the work. We don't, we don't learn more skills. We don't read more. We don't learn different strategies to be better. We just kind of put the blame on the other person and say, you know, there's nothing wrong with us. But I love that mindset of if, if you get a no, you didn't do a good job at selling your product or service. Really, if when we put the onus on ourselves, it makes things a lot better because then you'll go out and learn different strategies. You'll read more books. You'll talk to more people. We're responsible for where we are and where we want to go, period. I agree with that. Thank you so much. What are some of your top tips for creating content for those inexperienced business owners out there? I would say you won't really know how to do it well until you start doing it. But the first thing I would say is get to know your audience so you kind of know what they want so you can post that. So whether it's joining Facebook groups that if they're on Facebook, join some Facebook groups that you think your target audience is in and just listen to what they're talking about and then post content on Facebook about those things. And that could be in video form. It could be audio. It could be Post written, it could be infographic. So test out the kinds of content you you put out in terms of video or written. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely say that get to know them first so you kind of know what to post if you don't know what they want to know at all. Just find out where they are and hang out there and get to know them and post post questions that they ask, misconceptions. What are they complaining about? Um, post that stuff. What are they talking about most? Post, post that. And if you want to take it even a step further, if you do any type of search engine optimization, then search for keywords that match what it is they're talking about in those Facebook groups or those forums that you're listening to them. And then you, now you've got a, a more holistic marketing approach because now you can create content on your website with the keywords. And then you post snippets of that on social media, bring them back to your website. They subscribe. So you can really take this to, to another level. But starting, I would say, show up where they are and listen to what it is they're talking about and create content around that. I really hope people are taking notes because I'm taking notes. (laughs) Of course, I get to listen to this a couple times, so that'd be awesome. Shondell, tell everybody before we head out where they can connect with you. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn the most. So my handle is Shondell Varciana, and I can send that to you for you can add it to the show notes. Yes, for um, sure. That's probably the best place to get me. I'm on Facebook, but those are just usually personal friends. My, my clients, like I said, are not on Facebook. So I'm not there as often as I am on LinkedIn. But LinkedIn, I, I'll definitely you know get back to you right away. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, yes, we, we will definitely have your contact information in the show notes. I do know a couple of real estate agents who do listen to this show (laughs) personally. (laughs) So I'll definitely have the information. So just in case they want to connect, they can. And I would like to just say thank you so, so much for joining us today, giving us so much, so much, so many gold nuggets that we can really use in our content. Anything else you'd like to add before we head out? I think that's it. I I really appreciate you. you know, giving me this opportunity to speak to your audience today. So thank you. Lots of fun. For sure. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. All right, friends. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening to the Black Girl Business Bar podcast. If you haven't already hit that follow or subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you found today's episode helpful or had any aha moments, I invite you to reach out to me personally at Khalida at BlackGirlBusinessBar.com and let me know all about them. And if you're a woman of color business owner, I invite you to join me and a group of like-minded women inside the Black Girl Business Bar community over on Facebook. It is free. We would love to have you. As always, friends, we're dropping episodes every Tuesday and we can't wait to see you back then.